Hello and welcome to the fourth episode in this mini-series on teacher collaboration. Over what has possibly been the most challenging year ever, we've followed the journey of teachers and leaders from the Dulwich College International Group as they seek to enhance collaboration across their family of schools. The idea was simply that good things can happen when people come together to solve shared problems. And this podcast series is for anyone with an interest in the mechanics of teacher collaboration. By way of a recap, we started out in episode one by meeting collaboration leads. These are the people responsible for coordinating subject or specialist groups. And we talked to them about their aims and we looked at the idea of problem identification as a mechanism to identify areas for collaborative projects. Then in episode two, John Hattie and Dylan William gave quite different perspectives on the idea of collective teacher efficacy and collaboration more broadly. In episode three, we heard from Dr. Jenny Donoghue and Kat Scutt on the culture and conditions of effective collaboration. And now, finally in this episode, we return to speak to collaboration leads to find out how the groups worked in practice, what they felt was valuable, and their advice for building and running a collaboration group. So without further ado, let's hear from Tom, Laura, Andrew, David, Hetal, and Hilary. Hi, Laura. Hi, Tom. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Laura, Tom, um, tell us a bit about the group that you've been leading over this last year, please. Okay, so I'm uh, Laura Rogers. I teach at Dulwich College, Beijing. I'm head of physics there, and I've been fortunate enough to lead the physics collaboration group this year. Uh, I'm Tom Goodman, the head of science at Dulwich College, Beijing, um, and I've been working in a, um, a role to support the three collaboration groups in biology, chemistry and physics. That's right, of course. So, Tom, we've spoken to you a couple of times on the podcast and you've been working um, across the, the three science collaboration groups in what I've been told is sort of almost a, a mentor role. So what I want to ascertain really is in this kind of really um, turbulent year, how, how did it start um, and, and how's it gone kind of thing? You know, I think we all had these grand plans and then lots of things happened. It would just be really good to find out what the challenges were and what you've managed to achieve as a group. Okay, well, I can talk a bit about what we've done within the, the physics group. We had a really broad broad remit from um, DCI, as, as I think you know, and I know you've talked about previously on the, on the podcast, and it was just to collaborate. It wasn't with any particular goal in mind. Um, so it was a really open brief, and um, I was really excited about it because I just, um, yeah, just really like meeting and talking to other teachers. So we had a series of meetings set out. We had uh, 45 minutes each time, and I felt a great weight of responsibility that all of these other teachers' time was uh, kind of my responsibility to make sure it wasn't a complete waste of time, Um, if you see what I mean, uh, because I I work with Tom, and he knows I'm quite scathing if I feel like someone's wasting my time. The tables (laughs) were kind of turned, um, and I had to sort of, yeah, walk the talk a bit, I guess. So, yeah, we just spent the first couple of meetings really, I guess, getting to, to know each other. We did a lot of icebreakers. We shared a lot of um, little classroom tips and tricks and and, and demos and things that was really interesting. Um, And then we kind of got stuck into something that we all kind of not struggled with, but felt we could develop, uh, which was practical work in physics. 
So our kind of criterion, and this is something that that I kind of gleaned through talking with with, with Tom really in, in his role, was we wanted to try and work on something that it would be difficult to achieve on, on our own, in our own departments. Um, so we came up with the idea of kind of improving, improving practical work, making practical work really, really meaningful for our students in, in physics and making that really specific to, to physics. We really liked kind of geeking out on our own subject during the meetings. Um, and so that was was our focus. That sounds really good. And that reminds me of, of kind of the advice that Dylan William gave in um, a previous episode of this podcast on collaboration. And I think he I don't know if you, this is where you kind of took that steer from Tom, but he was saying certainly you know, if you're going to collaborate, definitely work on something that one person alone can't achieve. So it sounds like you've taken um, good advice there, I would say. So what what did that look like in terms of um, outputs? Was it just through kind of discussion and reflection or were you kind of trying stuff out, feeding back to the group? How did it how did it play out? I think we realised we were quite limited with time with what we wanted to achieve, especially if we did want to work in a collaborative and participatory way. So we had sort of seven people in our group and just for seven people to even just say something in in 45 minutes would would take up most of the time. So we um, decided that what we wanted to work on was a kind of practical handbook um, and sort of make a started off as like a repository. The idea was a repository of of resources for great practicals for teaching physics. Um, But what we ended up doing was going a little bit beyond that. And we decided to try and look at uh, look at map the skills that we want our physics students to develop. We decided to focus on key stages three and four because um, some of the members of the group weren't teaching key stage five. Some did IB, some did A level, so it was quite um, wasn't as much overlap there. So looking at the kind of vertical alignment between key stage three and key stage four, what kind of practical skills are we looking for students to develop in physics, and how are we? Um, helping students master those skills as they start out in year seven and progress through to year 11. So um, we ended up making a list, a list of of practicals. And then for each practical with this kind of skills map that we'd put together, sort of ticking off which skills each activity that we had hit. Um, So that I think makes it sound quite advanced and it isn't really it's a really early stage it's just a spreadsheet with a load of resources in a right. in a repository that are kind of linked together and we're really that was kind of where we got to by the end of it and I think maybe we thought we'd like to have got a bit further but I think we're still pretty happy with what we achieved. I would say so that sounds like you've um you've done really really well given everything that's gone on and that you're all meeting virtually aren't you and some of you don't know each other and no, that sounds like it's been a, a great project. You know, I was quite interested in what you said about the use of time and, you know, you don't like your own time to be wasted, which I think is a really good <laughs> attribute or characteristic to have going into something like this, because you're going to be really focused on being efficient with time. I've been thinking about optimal numbers in a group. And like you said, if everyone just says something, that'll take up about 45 minutes. So how did you balance kind of developing um, a nice environment and and, and relationships with the, the the time restriction you know because it's you, you do need to balance that don't you like oh you want everyone to say something you want everyone to kind of get to know each other but it's also right let's get down to business and not waste any time how, how do you manage that 
Uh, well, I'm a teacher, Jamie, so yes. it wasn't that difficult. Just cut them off after 60 seconds. Um, no, so I did I did at the start. It was like a lesson. It's like yeah. everyone has 60 seconds to say this, and here's right. a little timer on the board, and we're going to run down the board. Um, yeah. But I think that in, in many ways, kind of doing the meetings over Teams is quite helpful for that. So we had a lot of um, the starter activities we just took from, you know, what we learned from online learning, you know, like draw a yeah. picture and post it in the chat, or everyone's got 30 seconds to think of something. We'll all hit send at the same time. And we had um, like a shared, uh, you know, we're physics teachers. We had a shared spreadsheet. So each time we'd have a tab on the spreadsheet, we kind of add stuff in. So we were kind of working in parallel. And then um, we had a lot of breakout groups. So it would be a discussion between maybe two or three people. And I guess that what I, um, the sort of opportunity cost of that, if you like, was I didn't hear all of the discussions as the lead. So there were discussions going on in, in pairs and threes uh, where I wasn't in that group, I didn't hear it. And then they sort of reported back at the end, which is quite different, I think, to when you're doing something uh, like in real life, you know, and the groups are there and you can kind of float around and, and, and listen in and tune into what people are saying. So I guess I sacrificed a bit of me knowing what was being said and being able to listen in with the idea that people wouldn't be mostly waiting to say something. I did, I think, do a couple of meetings in the middle. We got, got a bit sidetracked in the middle, lost lost our way a little bit where we were just one big group and I hadn't structured it as well I think in the meeting and those meetings just weren't as satisfying weren't as productive as when it was more tightly structured with breakout groups and and, and smaller uh, just just pairs or threes discussing so I think yeah that was how I how I managed it I guess. I think I, I kind of in my head as I came to the end of the question I, I just as you answered I said you're I said to myself, you're a teacher, that, that's how you did it. And I thought, was that a foolish question? Um, Tom, so with, with the three groups kind of and, and taking on a bit of a unique role um, within the collaboration setup, it sounds like you were there sort of offering a bit of advice or being a, a sounding board. How did how did that work? Um, to, yeah, to varying degrees, I think. Uh, it was obviously easier for me to do this with, with Laura because we work in the same building. And I think that does raise a bit of an issue sometimes with collaboration when it's across different locations and I think the will is always there but pragmatically it, it can be difficult to find time and obviously working in the same office as Laura it meant that we were able to have a lot of ad hoc conversations about this and um, so I think the physics group is certainly the one that I was able to, to to work with it the most closely but I think another something that's really come through from this is I was thinking at the start that biology chemistry and physics you know broadly speaking the the, the, the variations on a theme Um, and I was expecting that there would be some sort of a fixed pro forma almost that the collaboration could follow Um, and I was looking to find you know the common threads and then and then and then encourage the the groups to collaborate with each other Um, but I think that was a bit over ambitious to be honest Uh, I think each group needs to develop organically Um, and we spoke in an earlier podcast about setting up that that culture of collaboration and problem identification because people do have to feel that this is worth their time and yeah. again we do have to be producing something which should be greater than the sum of everyone's individual parts um and i think to do that you have to allow each group to to, to determine what that is and it may not actually look like what you were anticipating at the start i think it sounds like you've got to be prepared to to let it go its own way and and be sort of comfortable that your, your plan will change. Um, so to kind of round out the conversation, then it sounds like, you know, it's been a great group and well run, Laura. What what have you learned from it in terms of um, 
being a collaboration lead, if you were to do this again or if you to offer some advice to somebody else that was about to do it, what would you say? Uh, that's a good question. I'd certainly say go for it. It's been probably the most challenging thing I've done professionally this year. Right. I've found it really uh, challenging. Tom's support has been invaluable, but um, definitely, uh, definitely worthwhile. It's just been great to have the interaction with the other physics teachers and um, I think everyone in the physics group kind of came to the group wanting to collaborate and wanting to achieve something which was really um, which was really helpful. I wasn't sure at the start what the leadership role would look like and I think I maybe envisaged it being a bit more of a equal role as in I would be able to participate in the group as well as lead it mm. and I think as time went on I realised that wasn't really the dynamic of, of how it was going to work. Um, I think the point we, we talked about earlier about other teachers time um, as the lead I kind of felt it was my yeah. job to put the work in beforehand so that there was a structure there so that other teachers who were participating didn't need to do loads of work before to prepare to make that session work if you know what I mean yeah. um, and, and that keeping that, check of the time and and that's why you can't participate in sort of as deeply as other people because you have to make sure that everything is is happening to the plan absolutely yeah so I think that once I'd sort of made made peace with that and and, and realized that that was what the role looked like then I could really get on board with that role and and work with it but it took a good few sessions just for me to figure that out as well yeah, I think I bet. when you said um it's one of the most challenging things you've done professionally um I would love to hear a bit more about about what why that is yeah sure I mean I guess I'm a fairly new middle leader so most of my teaching work so far has been uh, kind of leading students through things not leading yeah. other teachers through things so to suddenly have a responsibility not just for leading other teachers but for leading other heads of heads of subject uh was a little bit at the edge of my comfort zone or yeah. <laughs> slightly outside it um so yeah it was it was really interesting but I'm really interested in uh, sort of facilitation and, and collaboration and those kinds of mechanisms and and how they work so I knew I'd I'd learn a lot from from doing it make a lot of mistakes um but but learn a lot as well and um yeah I think I've done both of those things <laughs> I think you have it sounds like you've done an absolutely fantastic job and Tom what about you what kind of advice or tips would you give to anyone who is about to do this uh, having seen the the leads work really hard and um, we've heard from Laura uh, how she's had to do that in, in generating the atmosphere in deciding what you want to do and then setting it all up the big thing for me I think is keeping that momentum it would be a real shame if all these collaboration groups in the second year kind of reset and have to do all of that all of that period of uh, getting to know each other of creating norms so um, I hope that the collaboration leads will, will really try and pick up and run with what they've produced so far um, so that, that that these projects really do get finished well thank you very much to you both thank you thank you Andrew, hi. So you've been leading um, a collaboration group on social and emotional learning, I think, for the last two years. So you've got quite a bit of experience in this and it would be great to hear from you what that journey has been like um, from the start, the formation of that group to where you are now. So that's two years worth of, of collaboration. Tell us a bit about your group and how it got started and, and what the journey has been like, please. Yes, of course. Okay. So when approached about the group, it, it was very interesting because 
Uh, I was initially hesitant to join in due to concerns around maybe workload or, you know, work-life balance for that matter. But being a yes person, uh, mm-hmm. I and as are many counselors are yes people, I, I said yes, and I'm I'm extremely glad that that I did say yes because um, th- this is my sixth year working for the Dulwich Group of Schools, and in incoming, I was I was often the only counselor in the schools that I worked at in the past. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that across the network of schools here that oftentimes the counselors can feel a little bit on an island by themselves. So in approaching this this group, uh, this collaborative effort, was it, the hope was to be able to give everybody the opportunity to have a voice, to feel heard, to feel understood, and that ultimately we, we weren't alone. And um, so I think that's what we've been working towards uh, as a group of counselors um, to really help define where where we're all coming from, mm-hmm. what are what are going to be some of the similarities that we have in our positions, mm-hmm. what are going to be some of the things that are different, where does it need to be aligned, and where is it fine to have differences? Sure. So in some respects, almost a, an emotional support group for each other. <laughs> that's yeah, that's very much yeah. true. Okay, so. Um, has it all been plain sailing? I mean, how did you kind of find a rhythm for collaboration in terms of you as a group coming together? We had to be open minded as much as possible, obviously. And for me coming in with not as much leadership experience, um, it, it took a little while. Right. Uh, now I have the organizational side of things, I would say. But just how to lead a group. There there was some time that, that took us to find our way. Um, but I think that the nature of counselors being very self-reflective and open-minded, it provided an excellent, an excellent ground base for us to get started on, on talking about what we're interested in and what we're going to bring to it. So my, my ideal approach to it was um, just to provide some small bit of framework and let people's passions grow up uh, via that framework. And I think mm-hmm. coming from year one, where, we're, where we were trying to find our way, and that's the feedback I've heard from some other collaborative group leads is trying to find your way in year one to year two, actually feeling those, the, that, that development, feeling those vines grow, feeling us all be able to pursue our passions a little bit more within the group has been uh, the enriching experience for us all. So there you, you're kind of touching on um, the, the characteristics of, of the people, but also the kind of the, the nature of the group itself in terms of sort of values and things like that. So just being quite reflective is is quite um, an important component, would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Reflective and being open to things changing. Uh, we, we, we work to provide structure as it helps to provide direction, but I think being overly structured can drown out creativity. So it's, it's a tricky balance to yeah. find. It's it's not it's not yeah it's not a science necessarily it's more of an art form and being being flexible because you might you might come in with an agenda and not get to all those points and that's fine mm-hmm. or you might you might work beyond them and find other areas that you're going to speak to so it's it, it is a dance that you just have to be comfortable with not necessarily knowing what what's going to happen that time, that that particular meeting and what would you say then um, has been that sort of balance if you like with the group You've talked about it being sort of collaborative in terms of working practices and where there might be sort of consistencies and things like that, but also just being a group there to kind of reflect on um, on an area of work that is common to you all. What's the kind of balance, you know, 
to what extent did you kind of work on things that um, helped you in your roles and to what extent were you just sort of reflective and talking about your your specialism your, your your subject area if you like i would try to send out some information to all group members right and people were going to get out of it what they were willing to put in too as well so those that invested i'd send something out perhaps a couple weeks in advance maybe a week and a half just to say hey if you have any agenda items please bring them forward let's talk about it mm-hmm. um so that was that would be quite fruitful because typically what one person was thinking about many people were actually thinking about that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, we would draft those things up and some were just going to be agenda points that were going to be discussed ongoing for a long time. Um, so simple things just as like, what are our job descriptions? Um, what When things moved to being virtual, right? What an opportunity to connect with other people to figure out how, how are we approaching our jobs, right? Um, and one of the biggest things that we've done, I think, is around a counselor's role in safeguarding and well-being of students. And we've we had the opportunity to reach outside of our group and advocate for what we would like to see. So essentially, we had a small working group come together from the larger group to come up with a position statement to Mm -hmm. advocate for what we wanted uh, across the network of schools, which was which was a really, really cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. Strength, Strength in numbers. So to sort of close then what do you think have been the kind of the big successes of of the group if you like whether that be kind of tangible outputs or or just the kind of the the spirit of of working together and 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 providing support to each other whatever it might be i think the start of it is pooling some resources so we're all doing parent presentations we're all doing uh classroom lessons okay how do, how do we bring, bring those things together and not have to reinvent the wheel? So base, base level pooling of resources. Um, secondly, the job descriptions, like understanding that, yeah, there are some, some common things because some people didn't even have job descriptions. So trying to help them um, understand what our roles look like. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. And so for someone who's been working as a collaboration group lead for two years, what advice do you have for other people? Know that it, it it sounds cliche to say, but Rome wasn't built in a day. So know that things take time to develop. Uh, be self-reflective and understand what your leadership style is, what you're going to bring to it, but be open-minded to, again, be flexible to what the group is going to need. Because these tasks can be ongoing for years. You don't need to have a capstone project. You don't necessarily need to have something to hang your hat on to prove the value of your group. The existence of the group itself has value. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I like that a lot. Um, and how, you know, two years, that's that's quite a while, um, really. You know, how do you keep how do you keep the band together? How do you, you know, how does everyone sort of um, stay focused and motivated? It's interesting. We we had staff changes as well, which that will be something that any group would experience. Uh, people coming in and people coming out. But just the opportunity to ensure that everybody has a voice. And perhaps this is one of the counseling skills of small group work that we do of drawing out. Right. But uh, not not just putting the spotlight on somebody if they feel uncomfortable, but ensuring that everybody has the opportunity. So in in the closing session we recently had two weeks ago, we had a lot of agenda items, but we were able to close it out by celebrations. We had some staff that were leaving us. We thanked them so much for their time. They were able to share out openly about what their next steps were, what their plans were. 
and um, we're able to share out. Everybody had the chance to share what their summer plans were. So it wasn't just a time to talk about where are we professionally developing. It was a time for us to connect as, as human beings as well. Lovely. Thank you, Andrew. Hi, David. Hi, Jamie. David, um, thanks very much for joining the podcast. Um, I would just like to hear about your collaboration group, please. What What is your uh, focus as a group? Uh, yeah, well, our focus is uh, outdoor education and it's made up of three colleagues with a, a, a passion for all things outdoor ed. Okay, and how long have you and your colleagues been, been meeting? So we have officially been meeting for um, about a year uh, through the through the collaboration committees but we have been sort of unofficially working together discussing projects uh, on a weekly bi-weekly basis for about three years. Wow okay so weekly bi-weekly over three years that's that's a lot yeah. of time spent together so what are the kinds of things that you and this is virtual presumably rather than sure well, just tell us about the journey, really. So three three years, you know, that's sure. um, that's a long time. How how did it get set up, and sort of how is it now versus the 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 kind of the initial period when you just started meeting? Um, well, out, well, outdoor ed can be a bit of a lonely world. Uh, <laughs> there are there are not many practitioners, and there's only has been two of us uh, across the Dulwich network. So instinctively it has always been let's make sure that we're in contact generally for for, for sort of for two reasons the first being uh, to offer a degree of critical friendship yeah um, outdoor ed is it, it, it it's it's interesting because we have obviously the responsibility to keep children safe but also to provide a fun time that's also meaningful there's lots of levels that we need to be kind of discussing in order to be able to maximize the value that we of the time that we have with the students so it's it's been a really important part of certainly my role is to have that dialogue with uh with with other like-minded people yeah completely so it sort of sounds like it might have started off by i don't know just a a, a sense of belonging you know there's, there's only a couple of us let's stick together kind of thing and yeah absolutely how has <laughs> that, that developed over time in terms of the things that you've done um, well, I, I think our agenda has become far more focused. Uh, so uh, you quite rightly point out that at the, at the, at the early days, it's definitely uh, let's stick together. But but over over the past three years, uh, we've been involved in our, our sort of our main project uh, to uh, try to develop a, a, a cogent and progressive outdoor ed program uh, for the needs of, of, of the Dulwich student. So, so we've 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 worked very hard in order to uh, produce uh, schemes of work um, and uh, supporting and underpinning policy and procedures and guidance uh, in order to sort of establish a bit of a blueprint um, that uh, that we feel fits and works well within the Dulwich environment. And that's sort of quite a, a, a long-term project, presumably. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, when when we haven't been um, getting boots dirty. That's that's tends to be what we've been focusing on. Yeah. And is that something that is ever finished or, or something that you're happy with? You know, do you kind of produce something at the end of that or is it just a, a life's work? 
Yeah, I think it's important that it's always live. Uh, I think we can always, always improve. And, and, and one thing certainly that COVID has taught us is that uh, the situation is, is, is definitely dynamic. Um, I mean, 18 months ago, uh, we, we had a very clear vision about where, um, for example, residentials could be going and, what, and how we could be mapping those. Uh, 18 months later, and we're we're we're, we're completely revising plans for for uh, the new the new norm post COVID, I guess, um, with the sort of real focus to make sure that we are maximising the chances and likelihood of of delivery happening. Yeah, yeah, of course, huge challenges there for, for outdoor mm-hmm. education, and presumably there's there's more stuff happening on the doorstep. Yeah, which is which in itself has has been great. Um, it has certainly required us to become um, creative. Uh, so we 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 focused on um, making sure that we can do some some online delivery, uh, providing uh, yeah, online resources for students when they've been at home, which is which is not Althred's natural habitat uh, no. in 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 a sort of a bedroom with a. Uh, with a laptop screen, so we, we've yeah. certainly had to become more creative, and I think the the collaboration um, has been essential in in order to just share ideas uh, and 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 voice thoughts, um, because it has been it's definitely been a sort of trial and error process, yeah. really. I can imagine in a situation like that where outdoor education is now to some extent got to be delivered indoor you're literally not putting yeah. on boots and, and yeah. you just think you know I'm totally out of my sort of familiar um zone my comfort zone what absolutely well you know is this idea that I've got completely bonkers or kind of yeah. you know you need that sounding board I suppose very much so very much yeah. so okay and so um for a group that's relatively small but has been together for for, for quite a while, what are the kind of mm. characteristics or attributes of of a of a group that kind of stays together and and works together and and gets value out of of meeting fairly regularly? I think I'm interesting. I'm I'm also in uh, a collaboration committee for 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 TOK, but I'm I'm but I'm not I'm not leading that. So it's 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 interesting seeing seeing the dynamic between between a, a, a you know smaller and much larger group yeah. and I, I and I think certainly having um, having a having a clear focus and agenda makes meetings far more efficient yeah uh, if we if we are prepping what it is that we're going to talk about uh, then it means that we're definitely staying on track and we're able to uh, address the issues that uh, perhaps you know are, are burning uh, burning questions um, I would say that it's also got to be, we've got to feel comfortable in being able to voice our opinions. If 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 the dialogue has to be pedagogically perfect, it can become quite quite a, uh, quite a challenging place to be. Yeah. I think you've got to have a, a comfortable working relationship with someone so that yeah. you can spitball without yeah. feeling as though somebody's going to snigger. Yeah, and it's got to be all right to sometimes not know the answer, isn't it? I mean, if everyone yeah. knew the answer, you wouldn't be talking to each other, would you? So, But, but that, that is absolutely right. You know, especially adults, uh, I think with other adults, they're, they're always a little bit worried about revealing that they don't know something. Um, but they're kind of, they're, it's weird, a weird dynamic, because they're there to kind of 
help each other and learn from each other, but they don't want to admit what they don't know kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And so if you were giving a bit of advice to someone who is um, just at the start of setting up a, a collaboration group in the early mm. days, what what would mm. you say to them? What, what what do you think are the kind of, well, here we go. What would, what would they put in their kit bag for their outdoor adventure? No. Does that work? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think certainly having, having a, having a very clear purpose. Uh, I think it's, I think it's absolutely fine if you just want to act as a sounding board for each other and to perhaps say, well, the agenda each week is to bring one, you know, one thought that you're then going to share and, and give feedback on. That's absolutely fine. But I think I think it's important to have a very clear, uh, clear focus. So if you're if you're looking at developing a new curriculum or if you're looking at developing new resources, um, then perhaps focusing on that will make it feel as though um you're making progress it's funny we use the, the word collaboration but as i talk to, to people it just strikes me that this is as much about being sort of a reflective practitioner isn't it yeah absolutely and, and i think uh, i can't emphasize enough for, for for me the value certainly within outdoor ed the value of of critical friendship and and uh, and and having somebody that's able to uh, feedback and allow and allow you to reflect on your own practice, um, I think I think that's probably one of the most valuable things that I've taken from from the whole the whole process really. Yeah. Okay, David. Well, thank you very much, and I hope you get to go on a proper um, adventure sometime soon. Hello, Hetel. Hi, Jamie. Hi, nice to talk to you today. Um, thanks for your time. Um, Hessel, tell us what um, what the subject of your collaboration group is, please. Yeah, um, we're the EAL collaboration group, so English as an additional language. And how long have you been working together as a group? We've been together for two years now. Okay, so that's slightly longer than the um, the kind of the the more recent. Um, um, more substantial collaboration kind of push across the the, the Dulwich um, network of schools. So how has it gone for you? How how has it been from the sort of the setup of that group through to to where you are now? What have been the trials and tribulations? Um, well, I'd say overall it's been really amazing, really positive. The first challenge because we started two years ago, we started pre-pandemic, pre zoom meetings and so yeah. the first time we met we were all on the screen um so there was some awkwardness to work through yeah. um, and after that though um it was just amazing to meet people that had the same struggles the same um, challenges and the same needs really um and to be able to work together on our different projects yeah so that's um certainly is sort of a, what seems to be a, a theme is this kind of camaraderie um that comes from speaking to people in similar positions just in different locations and to be able to to have that sense of sort of belonging and, and people being in the same situation as you so um you mentioned there the the projects um as well as that sense of togetherness and we're all in this together what are the kinds of projects that you've worked on yeah, so we um, just most recently, um, one of the members of our group, um, he suggested that we create a document 
basically titled, What Does a Head of EAL Do? And it's because we do have our own subject classes, um, but we wear so many other hats in a school, like professional learning, helping admissions, um, doing parent events, coaching mainstream teachers, that, you know, and we're by ourselves, many of us in our schools, and so we don't have somebody else to speak with. And so we were able to compile this list of basically job responsibilities that often go unseen and put them on a document so that in the case that we need to create our own job descriptions, we have something there, like here's what we do, or here's what we can do. Yeah, that's right. So that sort of frame of reference is important. And that theme is is coming through, I think, from others as well is, do you guys do this as well? Should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? Okay, so um, what have you um, kind of managed to achieve, do you think, um, as, as a group, if, if only just the, that kind of sense of, of support for each other? Are there any other um, things that you've produced? Um, you mentioned the, sort of the, the job role summary. Is, are there any other things that you've worked on as a group? The other big thing that we've worked on um, last year we we spent actually a good deal of the year just discussing our challenges, um, what would be good for us to work on. And we realized that there's one challenge that many of us face where we work with mainstream teachers to kind of promote good practice for language acquisition. And so we developed a document that was that outlined our core beliefs on what is good language learning um, both in an EAL classroom and in a mainstream classroom, kind of a like guiding document. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was really great. And we were able to pass that up to Leslie and Karen. So that was that felt like quite an achievement. Yeah, it does. It sounds like it. And so as a group that's been together for two years, kind of what are your reflections on that journey? You know, if you were offering some advice up to someone who was about to be a collaboration lead and trying to pull together a group of people that they didn't know but have similar sort of um, um, job roles. Um, What would you say to that person in terms of how you form a group and how you keep a group going? Um, I would say, um, so in our roles, in our schools, we can often feel alone, like silos, doing our own thing in our own way. So I think that it's a big change to come together with people you don't know. Um, But there's a lot of power in the network that when we talk to each other and work together, the things that we're struggling to accomplish, we can accomplish even better. Wow, lovely. Well said. (laughs) I think that's definitely um, how most of your colleagues seem to feel that have been collaboration leads and within the collaboration network, they just feel quite empowered by the fact that they've um, had the time being able to speak to, to like-minded colleagues with similar challenges to, to even just to feel that they're not alone in those 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 challenges. Um, whether you can overcome them or not, it's still just nice to know that other people are facing the same things. So that's um, that's really well said. And, and thank you for your time, Hetel. Yeah, thank you so much, Jamie. Hello, Hilary. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, nice to not see you. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> again. <laughs> um, Hilary, I, I know it's been a, a challenging year. We've been kind of checking in every now and again over, um, well, has it already been sort of around 12 months or so, but with this focus on collaboration groups across the network of schools, how has it gone since we last spoke? Yeah, it's gone well. It's been very different to what I imagined it being. Um, I kind of had these visions of we'd have one big project and that would be something we'd spend a lot of time on kind of one specific goal. Um, but actually, in reality, it's been a lot more kind of, um, I guess, fluid would be the word. It's been kind of developing as we go rather than being one overall project. Um, so like some of the good things we've had um, have just been like individual chats. Obviously, it's been a really challenging year for a lot of people, um, particularly people in Yangon. Um, and I think it's just been nice for people to have another support network. Um, a lot of the other people in my group are either the only history teacher or like one of two. And I think they found it really helpful to just have another group of people who are interested in what they're interested in and want mm -hmm. to achieve the same things. I think they've enjoyed that as well. To what extent, uh, I know you've had students back in the classroom for a little while, to what extent were the, did the groups focus on how to deliver your subject, which is history, in an online environment? Was that a thing for a while? Yeah, it was. It's actually been quite up and down. Um, so at the start of the year, we were talking a lot about online for a couple of the schools where, for me, we were back in person. So I was kind of talking about what I'd learned. Um, and then in Singapore, we went back online um, right around the time where we had a couple of collaboration group meetings. So we had a whole conversation where I was saying, like, you know, you guys have been online more than I have. What have you learned? Um, and they were kind of giving what they had developed. And even things like teams had changed and there were things I didn't know it could do. Um, and that was really useful. Um, and kind of seeing we talked a lot about kind of trying to do like role plays online and things that I would never have thought okay. of. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. Um, you 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 said actually that you know things hadn't panned out as you expected no big project um sort of th that you wanted to work on and that's understandable given the the year that's been what's the role of the group how does that feel what what what's what, what's its purpose almost um so i would say the main purpose is to be responsive so rather than trying to kind of set out a goal without really understanding the context it's more about responding to what people need in that moment, like what's top of their priority list and what can we help with? So for example, um, we had a few people who'd done examining and they shared their feedback of what they'd learned. And that was really useful in the moment where you're kind of launching the next round of kids into exams. Mm -hmm. Or um, one of them had, there was an education perfect competition that was happening um, and someone mentioned it. And then my school also got involved and that was a really great opportunity. So I think more, being responsive to what people need rather than trying to kind of force a top-down approach, I think has been more effective for us. Yeah, okay. And um, I've been speaking to, to colleagues of yours that are in different schools and in different subject groups, obviously. Um, and the groups are, are vary in size. And I've just been starting to wonder what people think might be the, the optimum group size. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's actually um, something we were discussing in our last meeting. Um, we were saying somewhere between sort of four and seven. Um, so we generally had like four or five core members and a few people who came in and out. And we found that was really good because you could have a normal conversation. You didn't have to mute yourself. It just felt like people could converse in a fluid and I guess responsive way. Um, I think any more than that, the impression I've got is that you could spend a lot of time listening and not a lot of time feeling like you're contributing. 
Yeah, sure. Okay. And um, did it work out that people just became sort of more comfortable with the the idea of a collaboration group and more comfortable as they got to know each other? Was that just sort of a fairly normal process, would you say? Yeah, definitely. I think the first meeting, I was really glad to have a co-lead because I sort of felt a bit nervous and I was like, oh, I've met these people. Um, And now, I don't know if it sounds a bit weird to say they feel like my friends, um, but I definitely feel like I could go and have a chat to them. I've emailed a couple of them when I wasn't sure about things and it feels like I really know them. So I don't feel like I have to kind of be an uber extra professional side. I think I can just be myself and I hope they feel the same way. Yeah, that's that's nice. I mean, you all got at least one thing in common, isn't it? You know, you're all um, you're all like history. So um, yeah, that's a good start. To what extent do people sort of or does someone maybe it's you as a collaboration lead need to show some sort of vulnerability, like to make it a safe place? Like, oh, it's OK to not know stuff or or to ask for help. Do you think that's a thing? Mm, yeah, I do. And I actually think you're right. I think it comes from in this situation, I think it comes from the lead. So both me and Stephen um, had a lot of challenges. I mean, everyone did, but I think we were very willing to say, you know, we're not necessarily an expert in this specific area. Um, Can you help us? I think a lot of our meetings started off often with me saying, I don't know what to do about this. What do you guys think? And I think that makes people feel valued and feel like their input is, is needed. Yeah, definitely. I think there's some really interesting um psychology at play here you know human beings in the main i think uh, you know want to want to help but mm. um, also we we don't kind of want to show that we we don't know some things or we're vulnerable so it does take someone just to kind of to do that for for other people even though they kind of probably know it already but to feel that it's okay to to verbalize something that they don't know i think it's really interesting it just makes it safe a safe space and and sort of builds that um degree of trust i think i find yeah. that really fascinating and yeah and in our group um the two of us as leads i think were less experienced than the other people in the call and so i think that was quite helpful of it didn't feel like we were telling people what we knew it was more that we were just facilitating the conversation yeah yeah okay and did you kind of try and make that explicit in any way you know like this group is not about us being I remember we talked about this I think when we first spoke it's trying to make sure you don't come across as being some kind of sage that knows it all yeah absolutely I think the survey we did right at the start of the year was good because we knew what people wanted and people knew immediately that we were listening to them um, yeah. but then we would share the agenda ahead of time and we'd even just put things on team saying like does anyone want to chat about anything um, and actually one of our best sessions came from that of uh, one of the people who did examining who was saying that he just finished his examining and he wanted to share what he had and he'd made a whole PowerPoint and it was really great really productive and I think that just came out of us saying you know what do you want to talk about? Yeah I think that survey was a great move and a a really good top tip I suppose for anyone who would be starting up a, a collaboration group. Do you have any other top tips or any bits of advice if you were kind of um helping someone else set up a group for the first time um i would say two kind of practical top tips number one if you can get a co-lead do um because it just made it it felt like it was less pressure on me but also you knew there was always someone who would answer your question and always someone who would respond to you especially in the first meeting um second one would be I think this will depend on how it works out next year. Um, But finding a time that works for everyone, because with time difference, 
Um, initially, some of our meetings were quite late for people in some of the schools, and I think that just makes them feel not as positive towards it. So we changed it to be a, a time that worked for everyone. I think people really appreciated that. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Hilary. It's been good talking to you again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. And so that brings our focus on collaboration to a close for now. I've really enjoyed the various themes that have come out of these episodes. There's a lot to take away, I think. It's absolutely the case that you don't want to waste people's valuable time. So there has to be a purpose to collaboration. It makes sense that things you work on as a group are things that no one individual could achieve more quickly. And you'd ideally work on something that will directly have a positive impact on learning. However, I think it's also okay for collaboration to be about belonging and reflection to provide support to one another. And having staff talking to each other seems to help to build relationships and a culture that perhaps might better enable other initiatives that you need to put into place. It was interesting also to learn that higher performing teachers tend to be those that seek advice more and that opportunities for collaboration are a feature of environments where teachers have higher job satisfaction. Whatever it is you do, it's clear that structure, purpose and use of time is important. Just throwing a group of people together doesn't result in effective collaboration. Collaboration for the sake of collaboration is not enough, but it is one feature of an environment where teachers can flourish and that should be a good thing for students. <laughs>